Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Monrovia, California. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Thirty-one-year-old Amanda Custer had been through some hard times. She was the proud mother of an eight-year-old son who, at the time, lived with her parents in Idaho. Even though they were apart, her Facebook was filled with photos of the two of them and, of course, some pictures of her and her canine sidekick, Piper. At that point in her life, Amanda was living with her grandmother in California, helping to take care of her and going back to school. But her son was always on her mind. She wrote on Facebook that she was going to be the best for her son so she could give him the best like he deserves. While in California, Amanda met a 27-year-old man named Robert Camus. He lived with his mom just 10 houses down from her and in the most suburban-looking neighborhood you could ever find. I'm talking ranch houses nearing the $900,000 to $1 million mark with perfect green lawns and even some in-ground pools. The neighbors all knew each other and it was a pretty low-key place to live. Robert was a former professional skateboarder with frat boy roots and according to his portfolio profile, had completed the 2018 Wildland Fire Academy. His old fraternity was a fire fraternity, so this academy looks like it was a pretty big deal for him. He listed all the things he'd done in his fire academy and it was pretty extensive. He used strategic grids, removed man-made dams, maintained campgrounds using wood chippers, and got pretty familiar with equipment that I think you'd only know about if you were in that field of work, like Pulaski's and Rhinos. From the outside looking in, Robert seemed like a pretty stand-up guy, so he and Amanda started dating. Unfortunately, looks can be deceiving, and their two-year relationship became an extremely toxic one that in time escalated to abuse. In February of 2019, after what looks like a breakup, Amanda wound up filing for a restraining order against Robert. According to ABC7, she accused him of creating more than 100 phone numbers to verbally bash her. I can only assume he'd used one or several of those Wi-Fi calling and texting apps where you can change your phone number whenever you want as many times as you want. Those apps can actually be pretty hard to trace back to the original user, especially if they use a fake email to sign up for it. Taking the time to create 100 fake phone numbers and then actually using them was creepville dedication level 10, but that didn't even scratch the surface of what Robert had allegedly done. The Baltimore Sun reports that Amanda also wrote in her petition for the restraining order that in late January, Robert had scaled her grandmother's fence to try and get into Amanda's bedroom. She wound up sitting on the floor until she couldn't hear him anymore. Once Amanda couldn't hear him, she looked out of her window and saw him walking away with a hatchet. Judging by her next comment, it looks like the hatchet might have belonged to them because she opened the window and asked him if he was going to take that too, like he'd taken her school book. What happened next is straight out of every jump scare video you have ever seen, because she says that's when Robert turned around and ran towards her window and broke it with that hatchet. After breaking her double-paned bedroom window with it, she says he then used it to smash off the side mirrors of her grandmother's car. 
Robert wound up being charged with vandalism and pleading not guilty, but Amanda was concerned because, according to her, he had a 12-gauge shotgun and a handgun that he kept under his bed. She wrote that she was worried that Robert might hurt her dog, Piper, that he would either hurt or kill her dog in an effort to hurt her. Of all the things listed in Amanda's petition, the part about her dog really stuck out to me. I expected her to write that she was in fear for her life, but she was in fear for her dogs. Can you imagine the mental anguish a person has to go through to fear that their alleged abuser is going to hurt or kill their animal in an effort to hurt them? Knowing all of that, you'd assume that obviously Amanda's restraining order was granted, but you would be wrong. It was denied, and after it was denied, Robert decided to file one of his own. According to the Baltimore Sun, he wrote that Amanda had hit him on multiple occasions, and then he asked for $2,000 from her for counseling and temporary housing. Robert's request was also denied. The following month, Amanda did her best to move on with her life. While she was helping her grandmother with anything she needed and putting her best foot forward to be what her son needed her to be, Robert was busy polishing his image on LinkedIn. He updated his profile to say, I have high standards of excellence and am a hardworking, dedicated individual with a commitment to self-improvement through using my skills to actualize my talents. I love life and am looking forward to the future. Solid effort at alphabet soup, but this is one of those times where I genuinely wonder what someone's baseline is. Like, what is the baseline that made him think that his standards of all things were high? And he's certainly dedicated because you'd have to be to put in the effort of making more than 100 phone numbers to contact someone who wanted none from you, but committed to self-improvement in the field of what? I'm becoming more and more aware of the fact that you can lie about literally anything on the internet, which is mortifying in a world of online dating. Stay vigilant, folks. A month or so went by without much incident until April 22nd. It was then that it became clear that Amanda genuinely needed that restraining order that she had been denied. According to CBS, Robert was accused of battering Amanda, strangling her, and threatening her with a taser. She was able to break free and run to a house nearby for help, but the attack didn't stop there. KTLA reports that Robert ran in after her and then proceeded to attack the elderly man who was trying to help her. LA.com reports that Amanda was finally able to get a restraining order against him that day, but her grandmother's attempt to get one was denied. Her grandmother stated that Robert had attacked Amanda, choking her and leaving her face bloody, and that he would drive by their house frequently and harass them. But I guess that wasn't enough. It took until May 29th for Robert to be charged for the April incident, and I wish I could tell you why it took that long, but he was charged with first-degree burglary with a person present, injuring a girlfriend, assault by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury, and battery. Patch.com reports that the prosecutor wanted him held on a $150,000 bail, and I don't know what the final amount was, but he got out and was given a GPS monitor. 
I'd love to tell you that the charges, the restraining order, and the GPS monitor made any kind of difference, that it actually protected Amanda in any way, but it didn't. A little after 8 a.m. on Monday, July 29, 2019, exactly two months after he was charged, deputies received a call about domestic violence. It was Robert's house. When they got there, neither Robert nor Amanda were there, but they did find evidence of an assault, including blood. But it gets worse. Witnesses told deputies that they'd seen Robert placing Amanda's body in the trunk of his Prius. Now, initial reports on the state of Amanda when she was being placed into the trunk were a little bit hazy. The first report I saw was that she didn't resist, and then it turned into she was limp, and then she was lifeless. Either way, things weren't looking good. Hearing all of this, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department didn't waste any time. They issued a press release to all local news stations to be on the lookout for Amanda, that they believed she'd been kidnapped by her ex-boyfriend and that she was last seen being placed in the trunk of his 2017 Toyota Prius. They released a photo of both of them and Robert's license plate in the hopes that someone might see him driving somewhere and call it in. What caught everyone's eye was that the number they gave to report any sightings wasn't the desk line, it wasn't the missing persons unit, it was the homicide unit. They believed Amanda was in immediate danger, and frankly, I think everyone did. This news swept across Monrovia really quickly. Everyone who lived in their quiet suburban neighborhood seemed genuinely shocked. One neighbor told CBS that they'd seen Robert and Amanda argue before, but never thought he was capable of hurting her, adding, but you never know. You never know in the heat of the moment what's going to happen. I'm afraid for her. I hope she's okay and this all gets sorted out. Another neighbor told ABC7 that Robert's parents were one of the nicest couples in their community, saying, no matter how well you parent a child, you know, outside influences come in and it's absolutely no reflection on the parent at all. They've been wonderful, wonderful people, and it's just too bad that their son took a wrong turn. And I think that's an important thing to note here. Sometimes in true crime, there's a tendency to put blame on the family members of the perpetrators, but from everything I've seen, Robert's family was well-respected. There was an all-out manhunt for Robert. The deputies were on the lookout, the public was on the lookout, but not a single person spotted him. At least no one knew they had. It wasn't until the early morning hours of the following day, around 2.45 a.m., that the deputies found him. According to the Daily Mail, he hadn't skipped town, he hadn't tried to make a break for it, he was found just 24 miles from his house in downtown L.A. Amanda was not with him. When Robert was found, he was in the back seat of his Prius and refused to get out. SWAT was called, and as they surrounded his vehicle for almost five hours, CBS reports that he would occasionally pretend to sleep, which is a really weird flex. I mean, either you're trying to groundhog day the fact that you're completely aware that SWAT is trying to get you out of your car because people reported seeing you put your ex-girlfriend in the trunk, or you're trying to convince people that you give absolutely zero fucks about the severity of the situation and want people to think you're capable of falling asleep. Regardless, law enforcement was successfully able to ruin his faux slumber by pumping tear gas into his little Prius. He rolled out and was taken into custody. In summary, Robert fucked around and found out. The outlet reports that he was taken in on suspicion of burglary and domestic violence, while investigators tried to figure out what happened to Amanda. 
Their first order of business was processing his car, and in the trunk, they found drops of what appeared to be blood along with a digging tool. I'd be more specific about what tool it was, but it was literally referred to as a digging tool. With more evidence that something terrible had happened to Amanda, deputies tried to track down everywhere Robert had gone on the 29th, which was kind of easy since he was wearing a GPS monitor. We know that deputies responded to Robert's home a little after 8 a.m. that morning, but according to a timeline by KTLA, by 8.32 a.m., he headed east and I shit you not, stopped at a Del Taco. Five minutes later, he decided he needed some cigarettes, so he continued east, stopping at a gas station. Fast forward 15 minutes or so, and at 8.56 a.m., Robert was seen further east in the area of Padua Avenue and Baseline Road. He kept heading east and around 9.27 a.m. stopped at an Arco gas station on Sierra Avenue, which is just south of Lytle Creek, which, by the way, is in the middle of a mountain range, the San Gabriel Mountains at that. KTLA was actually able to get a copy of the CCTV footage from the gas station, and in it, you can see Robert walking in from the direction of the pumps and actually taking his sunglasses off when he got inside. He wasn't concerned with hiding his face whatsoever. However, after that stop at the gas station, there is absolutely no record of where he went for five hours. At 9.27, he was at that gas station at the base of the mountains, and at 2.41 p.m., he popped back up at an ATM back west, pretty close to his house. It wasn't like he was trying to hide at all. Whatever happened in those five hours likely holds the key to what happened to Amanda. Going back to the fact that Robert decided to come back to Monrovia while everyone was looking for him, he actually went so far as to go to a bar that night. A bar that just so happened to be having an open mic night. This one kind of threw me. Did he think he'd be harder to find if he was in a crowded place, or did he just assume he was untouchable? You can be the judge of that. While at this bar, Robert, dressed like a retired frat boy, blazer and all, decided that it was his time to shine, that this would be the start of his rap career, and there is cell phone video to prove it. KTLA got a copy of the video, and in it, you see Robert grab the mic, look right into the camera, and say, Right here, I'm a gangster in this house. Cut the EMP off my leg, and then I'm out. I killed my bitch and buried that bitch in the fucking dirt. Passing off and I'm out because the cop's trying to look for me and I'm trying to shut my mouth. Keep in mind, the people at this bar had no idea who Robert was. Initially, the reactions on their faces looked like some deep secondary embarrassment, but when he started talking about killing his bitch and burying her in the dirt, their eyes got really wide and they started looking at each other almost like they were trying to figure out if this guy really just said what he said. The guy who took the video told CBS that he didn't realize Robert was Robert until he went home and saw the news. Once the media got a hold of that video, the coverage of Amanda's case went national with articles like California Man Raps About Killing His Girlfriend. While it was great that more people were becoming aware of the situation and could be on the lookout for any signs of Amanda, 
It also came with an avalanche of people who seemed to lose sight of the fact that these articles were about a real victim who had a real family that was in an immeasurable amount of pain. There were comments from people who didn't even bother to read the article and just wanted to defend rap music, saying that they hope the police have more against him than his rap because that's nowhere near enough. They didn't bother to read the articles that would have detailed the fact that Robert had been seen putting her body into his trunk, his GPS monitor going dark, blood being found in his room in his trunk, along with a digging tool. Imagine being Amanda's friend or a family member and having to read comments from people who are more willing to defend a man's lyrics than learn about why they were so damning. On top of that, I even saw one comment where someone suggested better lyrics. I'm pretty sure my soul actually left my body for a second when I read the comment, in the fucking ditch would have rhymed better than the fucking dirt. Maybe it should have been like, I killed my bitch and buried that bitch in the fucking ditch. Now that's gangster rap. If this rant is to say anything, let it be to please not lose sight of the fact that every single article written about a missing or murdered person has a human being behind it and a family in an unimaginable amount of pain. If you're going to comment, do the least and read the article first and consider the fact that there is always a chance that the victim's family is going to see it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. With Robert behind bars, the searches for Amanda intensified. Deputies asked that anyone who lived in the areas of Mount Baldy Road, Glendora Ridge Road, and Glendora Mountain Road to please be on the lookout for her. Mapping out those three points, it's about an 18-square-mile area. LA.com reports that they asked anyone who might have been fishing, hunting, or mountain biking on the 29th to please call the department if they remembered seeing anything out of the ordinary, even if it didn't seem important at the time. Remember, Robert had gone through that Wildland Fire Academy and would probably be pretty familiar with that kind of terrain. By August 5th, there was still no sign of Amanda, but the searches hadn't stopped for a second. Her father flew in from Idaho to help in the searches, and the sheriff's department released a handwritten note from him pleading for the public's help in finding his daughter. It said, this is coming from Rick Custer, the dad of Amanda Custer. I and the rest of her family are asking anybody in the Mount Baldy and Little Creek areas to be aware of your surroundings and keep your eyes open at this time as we are still searching for Amanda. We believe she disappeared in this area on Monday of this week. If you were up there on Monday and saw a gray Prius acting suspicious, please report it. We are pleading with anybody who might have a tip. That might help to report it as we are very distraught and we need to bring our Amanda home. If you add in the Lytle Creek area to the other three search points we mapped out earlier, that 18 square mile search radius becomes a 58 square miles. And let me tell you, that terrain is no joke. It's long, winding roads in the middle of dense woods and rolling mountain peaks. According to ABC7, law enforcement, search and rescue teams, and Amanda's own family and friends used every resource they had access to, including dogs and helicopters, but they still couldn't find any sign of her. By August 14th, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors announced a $10,000 reward for information about Amanda's whereabouts, but still, there was nothing. In the coming weeks, folks in the area lined Amanda's streets with yellow ribbons to make sure that no one forgot about her, and even lined trails in the mountains as a reminder to stay on the lookout. 
Before the start of every weekend, there were Facebook posts reminding anyone heading into the mountains to remember that they believed Amanda was still up there somewhere and to be vigilant while they were doing whatever they were doing, be it hiking, fishing, camping, or anything else. More than a month passed after Robert's initial arrest where they brought him in on suspicion of burglary and domestic violence, but on September 4th, law enforcement had an announcement. Even though they still hadn't located Amanda, Robert Camus had officially been charged with her murder. Make that capital murder. Noting special circumstances of killing a witness and being out on bail at the time, he pled not guilty the following month. Capital murder is a really big deal, and in California, it could mean a potential death penalty case. This was big news, and again, his charges got national attention since he was the guy who'd rapped about killing and burying his ex-girlfriend. But then, all of it just stopped. While no one in the community had forgotten about Amanda and her friends and family continued their searches, the media coverage of her case became almost non-existent. Usually, we see updates whenever there's a hearing, but that just didn't happen here. Pasadena Now did a small update in January of 2021 on cases that were in court, and there was a small blurb about a court date to set a preliminary hearing date, but that was all I could find. I couldn't even find the outcome of that hearing, and yes, we just skipped 2021 altogether. I checked a few websites to see if I could find any court dates for Robert, and after a few tries, I found one. In March of this year, 2022, he finally had his preliminary hearing. There were six penal codes listed, which were for burglary, vandalism, domestic violence, assault likely to produce great bodily injury, battery, and murder. Preliminary hearings are almost like mini-trials where the prosecution presents all the probable cause they have to charge a person, and the judge decides whether or not they have enough for the charges to proceed a trial. This is usually when the media reports on all the information learned at the hearing, but this time I couldn't find a single outlet that did. I couldn't even find an article that mentioned that he had a hearing at all. While we don't know the details of what was presented at the hearing, what we do know is that beside every single charge was a note that said held to answer, which means that the judge did determine that there was enough probable cause for his charges to stick and head to trial. Robert Camus is behind bars and will remain there until his trial. As days are updated through the court system, I will be sure to update you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 
Without any doubt, this has been an extremely long and agonizing two years for Amanda's family and friends. She is still missing, and they and the community have resolved to never stop looking for her. A local group in the area talked about doing a Christmas drive for her son in the months after she went missing, knowing that even though he was in Idaho, it would be the first Christmas without his mom. According to a friend on Facebook, her grandmother has continued to raise her dog Piper and hasn't moved a single one of Amanda's things. Her room, her shoes, and her chair on the front porch are exactly where she left them. Friends in the area update her missing persons flyers and replace old ones with new ones, while a woman in her neighborhood has never given up on making sure that everyone stays aware of their surroundings when heading into the mountains. If you saw anything strange in the San Gabriel Mountains on or around July 29th of 2019 or in the months and years since, please contact the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's Homicide Bureau at 323-890-5500. If you'd like to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. I'll be sure to post the phone numbers in the show notes. For all photos and maps pertaining to this case, check out Amanda's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch, and of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. (laughs) 